Are you the artist who hasn't painted since college or the author who never seems to finish the manuscript? Maybe you're the entrepreneur who let another year slip by without launching their startup. Or you're the singer who can't bear the thought of stepping out of the rehearsal room and onto the stage. If you're 40, 50, 60, even 70 years old and you're thinking, man, this sounds an awful lot like me, then you're in luck because I've created this podcast just for you. On this show, we're going to help creative types and entrepreneurs to kickstart the dreams they let go of many years ago when they got married, started a family, and embarked on their careers, better known as their J-O-Bs. We're going to deconstruct that negative feedback loop that's been fueling your fear, uncertainty, and doubt for decades. And finally, we're going to give you, the caller, and the listeners actionable takeaways, things that you can do right now to help put you on the track to living the lives you were born to live. At this point, the question we should be asking is, if not now, when? My name is Doug Taylor, and this is the Third Quarter Gut Check. On this show, we help those that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s to get unstuck and reclaim the dreams they let go of many years ago. We also celebrate those that are in the third quarter who are pushing through the fear, uncertainty, and doubt and going after exactly what they want. And our guests today are doing just that. At 55 years old with decades of executive and entrepreneurial experience, Tom Lamb and Dennis Keene have created Wisdom Essentials, a cutting-edge wellness brand dedicated to providing multiple therapeutic and medical uses of cannabidiol better known as CBD. Gentlemen, welcome to the Third Quarter Gut Check. Thanks, Doug. Hey, guys, thanks for coming on the show today. Excited to have you here. Uh, really, really looking forward to having a discussion about CBD uh, or cannabidiol. Uh, very exciting times. Lots of growth in the space, lots of opportunity in this space. Uh, super psyched you guys are going after a piece of that pie. There's also a lot of misinformation. So in the first part of this, we're going to break down some of the misinformation about CBD, uh, the difference between that and marijuana. Also, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of a startup and some of the, the things that should be in place there. But before we get into that, can you just give our listeners a quick overview of who you guys are, where you come from, how you got here? Great. So this is Tom. I'll start. Um, um, 55 year old. Um, from Queens, New York, originally. Um, uh, lived my uh, adult life in New Jersey, where I live now with my family. Um, I got a couple of kids that are out in the world. I have one who is just about to go to college as well. So um, this is a perfect time to start Wisdom Essentials to really kind of uh, see what uh, what we can do in, in part of our kind of second act here. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. Dennis, how about you? Yeah, same thing. Uh, Tom and me go back a long way. We were college roommates, so uh, we've known each other a long time. Uh, he was more in the ad world. I was more in the hospitality business world. Um, and we've always kind of talked about maybe one day doing something together. And fortunately for us, uh, about a year ago, this opportunity came along and we decided to partner up and uh, give this a, a real go at this stage of our lives. That's fantastic. How did that opportunity come about for you two? Uh, I was actually working with a tech company based out of Toronto, um, and that that company kind of uh, imploded. Uh, but from that, I've a lot of the cannabis world is based out of Toronto because it's been so illegal in the states that all the money and uh, financing is basically done out of Toronto. So from that, the, the connections I made there in Toronto, opportunities came up once the farm bill passed in the United States to start getting involved in the cannabis business here. So that's how I kind of got in. And then I you know, talked to Tom about it, and uh, he jumped in also. 
So there's so much misinformation with a new business. You know, I, I think back a couple of years to blockchain and everybody was jumping into blockchain and it was the darling of the dance at that time. And today's darling is CBD. Uh, can we clarify for our listeners the differences between CBD oil and marijuana? Yeah, so, uh, so that's a great question. Uh, there, it is kind of a Wild West market out there, and just because everybody's talking about it, there's some truths, but there's a lot of mistruths as well. So the big difference between um, CBD and THC is that CBD generally comes from the hemp plant um, and is non-psychoactive. It's not going to get you high. Um, as Deb said, a lot, a lot of the research on financing in North America is centered out of Canada, Toronto, um, but a lot of the research done on um, on this plant, and frankly in, in THC as well, has been centered in Israel for the last 40 or 50 years, because it's been, uh, both of them have been illegal sub, uh, substances in the United States. As Dennis mentioned, the Farm Bill passed at the end of last year, uh, making um, hemp a, uh, you know, a legal product, right, took it off the sub, uh, illegal control, controlled substance um, pro, you know, product line, and now the market in the, in the United States is really is really starting to get very hot and heavy. So, are most people getting this stuff with a medical marijuana license? Is it still considered cannabis in that in that respect? No, not at all. CBD can be bought over the counter, can be shipped. Um, unfortunately, because uh, there is so much misconception about CBD, there is a lot of bad actors out there and a lot of real snake oil. So the consumers really need to be aware and do their research on who they are buying their CBD from. Because, uh, again, it's kind of one of those things everybody's just kind of throwing some olive oil in a, in a jar, yeah. throwing a label on it and, and calling it CBD. And it's really not helping people um, like the like CBD actually can really help people. Yeah, well, look, I think that's you know absolutely part of the problem. I mean, they're targeting... Uh, you know, everyone from people to pets, and you don't know whether or not your pet has been affected positively or not. You know, I know people that have taken it and said it's been the greatest thing ever, and some have taken it and said it's done nothing at all. But it, listen, for our demographic, for people in the third quarter, what are the health risks or, you know, benefits for this group of people? What can they expect? Yeah, so the, that's a great question as well. And, you know, this, uh, you know, we'll, we just have to put a kind of caveat here that we're not claiming um, any, um, any therapeutical benefit per se, right, because these products are not um, FDA approved at this point. Yeah. However, however, the uh, literature that is coming out of has, again, been coming out um, from uh, doctors and researchers and clinicians from, frankly, all over the world are showing some really great uh, potential benefits uh, for for CBD, um, especially for folks in, in our kind of age group. And this is why we, frankly, started th this company. So, um, you know, for, for things like, you know, pain or potentially kind of, you know, uh, you know, brain fade or, uh, or anxiety or stress, it has been reported that CBD can really help those afflictions and, and help people to feel better. So that, that is really why we, get, we jumped into this. We're very specifically focused on kind of the um, third quarter target, you know, to kind of use your, your phrasing, uh, you know, Doug. And, yeah. uh, and we're really looking forward to uh, kind of bringing our products to market. So look, as with any emerging technology or industry like CBD, there's all kinds of information online, you know, all the benefits being espoused, uh, everything from, 
you know, you talked about a couple of the things, but, you know, childhood epilepsy is a big thing, seizures, neuropathic pain, uh, Dravot syndrome, Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. There's a lot of things that, that apparently these people that are afflicted with these types of conditions are, are benefiting from. But where are these studies coming from? Who are the people really behind them? Because a clinician, a researcher, you know, a doctor is probably not the authority that most are going to feel comfortable with. Well, they're, they're being done in the United States just recently. You've got to remember that uh, every kind of uh, cannabis plant was restricted, whether it was hemp or THC, up until a year ago. So universities were restricted in even studying anything to do even just with CBD. So now that the farm bill has passed in the last year, a lot of uh, universities and, and uh, scientific research centers are focusing on CBD, but it's, you know, to make a hard and fast 100% claim, it's too early in the game for us to do that. What we can do is go off, you know, some anecdotal evidence. We can also go off that uh, CBD and hemp was around for, you know, thousands of years and was used as a natural uh, remedy uh, for generations up until about 100 years ago. Um, with that also, with Wisdom Essentials, we're actually not just making our formulations with just CBD. Uh, we are actually in, uh, putting in other uh, nutraceuticals and nootropics into our formulations so that other compounds that have had some uh, real research that they work we're mixing those in with our CBD. So we're not making really any claims in the CBD, but we will make claims that, say, melatonin will help you sleep. Right. So there's anecdotal evidence that CBD will help you sleep, but if we mix melatonin and CBD, you're kind of getting the the best of both worlds. Yeah. And are you looking to go for some sort of a method patent or some sort of a any IP as it relates to that mixture? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So some things we can talk about, some things we can't. But um, uh, suffice it to say that yes, we are putting together our own formulations, and with some other partners that we have, we are bringing in some um, some IP because that, that's a very very good point that you make, Doug. So we're bringing IP so that um, we have higher efficacy in our products, whether yeah. they be uh, oil slash you know tinctures um, or a uh, you know or a uh, you know a cream or a roll on or things like that. Mm -hmm. So. So yes, we are doing all of those things. So that's a really great, great question. And again, you know, we're, you know, as Dennis said before, you know, it's kind of a Wild West category. What yeah. we are trying to do is build a brand and a product line that will stand the test of time, and really bring, uh, you know, product efficacy to to our uh, target market. Yeah, we're, we're, we're working on with a researcher right now uh, for early next year to start doing clinical trials on our products um, and do some testing, uh, but. You know, that's something that we, that's, you know, a few months away before we can actually make those claims. Yeah. But in the meantime, we're, we are doing everything like up to, where our factory where everything's going to be made is an FDA facility. So it's FDA compliant, which is, there's no, you know, there's no rules in the CBD business right now. Yeah, right. So we're putting everything together that, in other words, when the FDA does eventually turn around and crack down and you know, come into the space, we're actually looking forward to that because we think that'll get rid of a lot of the bad players and we're going to be compliant above FDA standards from day one. 
Exactly. So, look, that's a great segue into the nuts and bolts of launching a startup. Um, Dennis, with your experience as an executive at Procter & Gamble, Tom, your experience at MasterCard, I mean, you guys, uh, you know, there's clear value there in, in the corporate America uh, world. But how about in startup life? You know, do, do you think that those experiences that you have translate well into that of a startup? You know, I think, uh, you know, it's funny, um, you know, Dennis has a little bit more entrepreneurial um, experience, certainly, than I do. I, I came from, uh, I'll call it a traditional kind of corporate world. Mm -hmm. um, here, here's what I'm finding out is, uh, you know, for, for, for doing this, and if I can pass on any wisdom to anybody, um, you, know, ho you know, hopefully they can, you know, learn from some of the things that I'm going through is um, everything is slower than you want it to be. Yeah, oh yeah. Everything is more <laughs> Everything is more expensive than you want it to be. Yep. Um, and um, in one single day, you can have high highs and low lows. No question and about so, it. Yeah, and so and so we're living uh, we're living that together right now. Um, and, but when you kind of when you kind of look back at a couple of days in a row and you look at the progress that you made from let's say the beginning of the week to the end of the week, um, you know you can really see progress. And although we're getting there maybe a little slower than we wanted to, we're certainly getting there. So, so there's some good things happening. We're learning a lot uh, around the way. And as, as Dennis just said, we are, uh, we're preparing ourselves to be a really good um, CBD and wellness company for our target market that will stand the test of time and will bring some really good stuff to, uh, to our customers. So both of you said those words, stand the test of time, you know, a couple of different times in this interview. And I'm curious... You know, when I think back to my experiences as an entrepreneur, that I wish that, you know, a couple of the things that I had done uh, early on, especially things that had important IP that could have mattered and, and did matter at the time, that I had taken that opportunity and just built it and flipped it. And I wish I didn't ride it out to the point where it, it was dying on the vine or had died on the vine. You know, when I think about where you guys are, you're in the third quarter uh, at the ages you're at at 55 apiece, you know, why... Why do you want to go along for that ride and go the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Why not just build it and flip it? I don't think we're not saying that that's a possibility for us, but we want to start off with the mindset of let's build something real. Let's build something that has substance. Let's build something that we can be really proud of and that we'll use ourselves and we'll have our wives and, and, and you know, relatives use also because we know it, 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 it's good and it works. Um, so we want to go into this with a real ethical and uh, rock-solid foundation so we're not cutting any corners. Mm -hmm. Now, if an event happens in three to five years, we, you know, we're certainly would we consider that. Yeah. But I think going into it with the mindset of let's build something real and strong and, and make sure it can last the test of time. I think that mentality to start with makes you not cut corners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, there are certain things like Dom's saying, like we're, we're taking way longer than we wanted. And there are certainly things we can do. We could just go to some manufacturers and white label some stuff and, and throw it in a nice jar and, and get the company started. But that is not our ethos and that's not what we're looking to do. So with the kind of the, uh, line of we're building the right thing and something that's going to last, I think it keeps us you know, motivated and focused in the right direction to not take shortcuts. Yeah. And, but also, I think there's a balance between that thinking and also bringing a minimum viable product to the marketplace. 
Yeah, so that you know that's great. I think if you Doug, if you take the, this last question that you just asked and the one you know prior to it, um, and when Dennis and I were putting this together, you know, we established a couple of uh, a couple of kind of uh, guardrails for ourselves. Yeah. And we said, look, what we don't want to be, as Dennis just said, is just a bunch of guy, you know, two two guys and a dog, so to speak, yep. white labeling something, yep. throwing a throwing a, a label on it, throwing it out in the marketplace, uh, making a quick buck, and, and kind of getting out. We wanted to do a little bit more. Having said that. And why it's taking us a little bit more is for the level of quality and the level of brand that we're trying to build, um, we are still pushing very hard to make sure that our formulations are done. As a matter of fact, we talked to a manufacturer just today about getting our uh, first uh, MVP, to use your words, um, out, out in the market, hopefully before, before end of year. So we are pushing very hard, but we also have kind of this quality standard that we're trying to uh, live up to. Yeah, exactly. And I look at your launch um, use of launch funds document, and you know, uh, am I free to speak about the numbers that are in there, or would you prefer not to? I prefer not to speak specifically about the numbers, but we can certainly talk about the. Uh, that, uh, fine, that's the fine. Philosophy. Then I won't. Then I won't. But when I look at brand logo and package design, I have literally seen companies spend uh, twice that much that you've got listed here, and and still not get where they needed to be. And, and that yep. seems to be one of the, for some reasons, it's a bottleneck that no one can seem to agree upon. You know, no one likes the logo, or everyone likes this part, but not <laughs> that part. You know, and it winds up being this source of contention. And and suddenly, you know, weeks have turned into months, and you're like, wait a second, we are still. It's, it's so funny you're saying this right now, Doug, because we are just right in the throes of this, right as you speak. We just kind of got our our ABC logos uh, done, and and I mean, you know, uh, what do they say? You know, opinions alike, assholes. That's right. Um, yeah. yeah. And we're and we're kind of hitting we're kind of hitting all that right now. But at the same time, you know, so we're gonna get everybody's all our strategic partners, we're going to get their input. But at the end of the day, Tom and I have decided, like, you know, we're going to make the final decisions. So we're not going to get bogged down with everybody else's. You know, we're going to listen. You can't. To listen, you say. can't. There's, listen, you you've got can. to be scrappy right now. I mean, you've got to be agile. You've got to be moving quickly. I'm not saying be hasty and make mistakes, but you've got to be moving quickly because there are other people out there right now that are, they, they are so much further ahead with the, in the process of where they are and where they are in fundraising and all of that. And you're competing against that. I mean, you're going up against other people exactly. that, are, that are built for this. So that yeah. that's one area that I would definitely steer clear of. And I wouldn't ask anybody's opinion. I'd look at each other in a room and say, is it good enough? Done. Let's go. Next thing. Next. You can, <laughs> you can always relaunch packaging. And you know, look, you guys know that. You come from that world, especially you, Dennis, in the, uh, in the consumer packaged goods industry. You know that world. So, you know, I would just say, get it out there and get it going. All right. So yeah, that, yeah, that, that, Doug, that that is what we're doing. We're you know we're going to do a little pressure test, as Dennis said. You know, yeah. um, uh, you know we we've got we've got literally we're on the precipice of of just going to ask some people right now get get some feedback. Literally wrote the uh, I, I wrote the questionnaire today. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we are you know again we are really hoping right we've got our fingers crossed now that between now and the next time we talk to you, which will be let's say New Year's. Eve, yeah. Uh, you know, we'll have we'll have something um, to show 
both um, our, our families, our partners, uh, our customers, and, and our investors as and well. And your investors as well, absolutely. I was just going to say, look, that's what I love about this show is because it's not a one and done. You know, the, the people that have been on this show, they are going to be continually coming back, giving updates, uh, helping others in the community. That's what I love about this. It's very community-centric. And uh, look, you know, for anybody that's starting a business right now, uh, it doesn't matter if it's CBD, if it's uh, a landscape business. It doesn't matter what it is. If you're starting a business, there's some great information in here. There's some great takeaways. And what I love most is that you guys are in your mid-fifth. Uh, like myself, I'm 54, and you know what? You're you're willing to get out in front of it. And uh, Tom, you and I talked briefly offline about the lizard brain. You know, sometimes that fear and uncertainty and doubt creeps in, especially at our ages. It's even tougher now to get out front and be real risky. And you guys are doing it, man. And I applaud you for it. I really do. Well, it's great. I mean, your show is perfectly uh, timed, also, Doug, because uh, it's one of the big things Tom and me have discussed. It's amazing how our age group is ignored uh, yes. by by brands, yep. by brands and companies. And when we were watching, looking at the CBD space, that was one of the biggest openings we saw originally was, you know, some of our largest, largest competitors, they're going to things like Coachella and Sundance, yep. and they're activating strictly to this, you know, to this younger, this 20-year-old market. And we look at this and we're like, wow, these products, this CBD is really great for our age group, but the companies aren't speaking to us or if they are talking to us, they have you know some 25-year-old writing copy for a 60-year-old, and a lot of times it's it's quietly, you know, frankly, it's kind of insulting. Yes, I would agree. Uh, so yeah. we're we're doing we're starting a company. So we, basically, we say it is you know we are the company and the company is us. Yeah. Uh, we're we're making this for our age group. We're selling it to our age group. We are this age group, and I love that your show is also uh, doing the same thing. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. Really, uh, it just feels right, you know. And uh, like I like to say, if not now, when? Let's go into fundraising for a second. Are you guys right now? Uh, are you funded right now? No, right now we are self-funding okay. uh, to to get to launch, and then at that stage, once we have you know a real product and real packaging and, and a, you know and a real start, uh, then we're going to go out to the investment community. As I'm sure you know right now, uh, the whole cannabis market is getting crushed. Yep. Uh, so it's the kind of thing, if we had started this a year ago, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, mm-hmm. um, we would have, you know, had money thrown at us. And um, But I think also that could be a danger, because I think a lot of companies had so much money thrown at them that now they're all imploding because, you know, they just were spending money recklessly. Yeah. So we we have to be really really scrappy. We every penny counts for us. Um, so we we're just self funding until we can get to that starting line, and then once we get to the starting line, then we're going to have to you know really go out there and try and raise you know over a million dollars to 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 make this a real viable uh, a real viable endeavor. Yeah. But, and do you uh, think over a million is enough? Do you think that's enough? And that's a great question, Doug. So, so you know, um, just to give you just a little bit of history, I won't, I won't bore you to death here. So, first we started with just a, enough to kind of just get the flywheel started. Yeah. Then we said, all right, well, maybe we need about a million two to kind of do this right to get us through, like let's say year one. And depending on who we've spoken to, and we've got a lot of good feedback from from folks who we've uh, you know pitched the idea to. Some folks have said you need 10 10x that. Some folks have said, well, you know, as soon as you got 
something come back. So we're not really sure what the, what the number is, but we do know that we want to be well capitalized when that time comes. That's exactly right. However, to get there, but however to get there, so just to kind of finish this thought, is that we need to have that MVP in our hand so we can go back to those people who we've spoken with before and said, here is the proof of concept. We're going to do it. Here it is. Um, we've got it. We've got it manufactured the way we want. We've put in the ingredients that we want. We've uh, done the brand design due diligence that we want. We are ready to go, and we are really confident that the marketplace that we are um, aiming for, with the product line that we are creating, um, gives us a white space and a strategic place to really be successful. So um, one thing does get the other, but um, the, but you know. To, you got to walk before you run, and the walking part now is getting the concept solidified, and then we go back to the people who um, have the money waiting, and then we'll get it from them, and then and then we can scale and, and really start. To but I'll, I'll just throw one thing in there, Doug. Sure. Honestly, for me, I I mean obviously you know it would be a lot easier path for us if we can raise our 1.2, but if somebody turns if three months from now people are still like we're not giving you money, we're not stopping. One way or another, this company is launching. We might have to scale a lot slower mm -hmm. than we want, but you know whether we raise the money or we don't raise the money, uh, nothing is stopping us. We're 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 seeing this through. And, and I love the conviction. Uh, look, there's an article. Series A is the new Series B. Do you guys understand how the Series A? Yeah. B, okay. So Series yeah. A is the new Series B. It's by Ben uh, Narison over TechCrunch. You got to take a look at that. I'm going to link it up in the show notes. But I would read that because that really speaks to a lot about what you're talking about. Getting that, you know, that big idea and raising some money on a vision and you. You know, Series B, you know, that was really historically considered the most dangerous round. You know, the visionary ideas, you know, they funded the Series A and they were very unlikely to have proved enough to show anything. So you're going to have to show a clear path to success uh, before. So that, that's why they say Series A is the new Series B, because, you yeah. know, it, it, that's what they're looking at, that Series B round. They, by then, the concept is proven. Maybe the founders aren't the right founders. They're most of the time moved out. Um, when investors come in, they typically, they, they, they love the idea and they usually have a CEO or somebody in their camp from another venture that they like to work with, that they like to install, and that typically happens. So you're absolutely spot on about that. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to prove that concept. You're going to have to show some revenue streams. You're going to have to show some growth uh, and with real numbers. So that being said, who's going to lead point on this? Who's going to be the CEO? Uh, well, right now, Tom and I are working on this together, but we do have a real strong uh, advisory board. Okay. Um, and, I ask, and I ask Dennis, because there's another gentleman mentioned in the, in the deck, and I won't say his name here, but there's somebody else mentioned in the deck, and I didn't know if that was the guy that you were going to be leading yeah. with. Or yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's such a you know, high-level guy that he's not going to individually CEO this company. Right. But he is very involved in guiding us and he comes from the you know the real uh, you know consumer packaged goods world and the real new you know nutraceutical vitamin world yeah um yeah. so he is guiding us so once we get to the stage of we are launched now we're raising big money mm -hmm. um then we're, we're then we'll bring in the right uh the right ceo and like right now i'm technically the ceo but i'm looking to replace myself um <laughs> You know, once it's once it's really viable. Yeah. Um, so, Dennis, that that in the experience that I've had with investors, um, most almost in every case, 
they bet on the jockey, right? They don't bet on the horse. They bet on the jockey. They're looking at that one CEO with the experience and the wherewithal to get this concept over the goal line. Uh, when you look at yourself and you're saying you'd like to get out as soon as that's possible, what would you say to a potential investor? Now, and we'll get into different types of investors in a second, but just any investor. Somebody said that, listen, Tom, I'm going to, and Dennis, I'm going to write you a check for half a mil. I'm going to put some seed money into this thing. I like it. I'm into the cannabis thing. I've always smoked weed my whole life, and this is an even better version of that. So I like where this is going. Here's a half a million bucks. But yeah. why, would they, why would they feel confident if you as the CEO didn't want to stay in the game at well, that, in, in that position? Okay, yes. I definitely want to stay in the game, and I'm always going to be very, very big part of the game. I'm going to own a you know, nice piece of the company. Um, I, I think my skill set is very scrappy, and I think I'm, I'll be very good at with, with Tom uh, to get this company to a, you know, say, a $5, $10 million a year stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to grow to, do I have the experience and knowledge to bring it to a $100 million company, to a $200 million company? No, I think, I, I think somebody else would be better served, you know, better for that role. Yeah. So I would say to an investor, you know, actually you can have more confidence in me because I'm not doing this out of ego. Right. Um, I, I want what's best for the company. So I know I can do this now and bring it to a certain stage, but I'm more than willing to bring in somebody better than me. I, I always try and surround myself with people who are smarter or have more knowledge in an area that I do. Uh, so I think the fact that I'm willing to just openly Acknowledge that. that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And acknowledge that. I think it's a real strength, not a weakness. Yeah, and and to to kind of kind of fill in that answer from a from a branding and marketing standpoint, um, and this is really a branding and marketing game right now in, in this category. Um, I feel like everything that I've done. Uh, this is Tom, by the way. Everything that I've done up to this point in my career has prepared me for this moment right now. I so. So I am really, like, my pencils are sharpened, and I am just really ready to take all the skills and experiences that I've learned in the past and kind of bring them to bear to build this brand and to build, you know, build this company. Now, having said that, the other gentleman that is in our, um, in, our, in our pitch information is a key partner and advisor to us. And so while he won't be or doesn't want to be today the, the CEO, he is going to be a very active advisor. He's already been mm-hmm. um, in the field with us already. He's met all the partners. He's, he's looked at our manufacturing and uh, supply chain. And so, uh, you know, so he's in and he's going to be a very key connector to your point, Doug. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we've got the right horses um, or the right jockeys on the right horses. Um, to use your metaphor, yeah. and we really feel like we're, we're ready to go. So as soon as we get the, the flywheel turning here, um, a lot of things are going to fall into place. And again, with the right um, uh, partnerships and strategic um, alliances that we've got lined up along the, whole, the entire supply chain, from supply down to distribution, um, once, you know, once we hit a stride, we're going to be in great shape. All right. Beautiful. So look, you know, all is good, right? Every, everything is good in the world. You guys are a couple of old buddies. You go way back. There's a lot of love there, a lot of history. Uh, everything is going great. But what happens? What happens when something goes south? Oh, guaranteed something will. Oh, no, I guarantee. And so what happens yeah. in, in the relationship of Tom and Dennis Inc.? What happens when something goes wrong there? Do you guys have a termination agreement in place? No, I think we'll blame you, Doug. 
<laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm in I'm in better shape than Tom, so we you know I've agreed to arm wrestle for any uh, disagreements. But uh, no, we're joking around. Uh, Tom and I, you know, you hit a certain fifty plus age, um, and we do know each other a really long time, and we know we're going to have conflicts. Yeah. But we also know that we're, you know, I'm going to use air quotes here, mature enough uh, to to work around them. And we've already had things like he likes A, I like B, right. and we've managed. You know, we've been doing this now for a few months, getting this thing going, and we've already had a number of like he prefers this, I prefer that, and we, you know, we work it out. You know, it's interesting. I, Look, guys, I, I, I'm just going to say this: I, I would not. I would just take it for what it is, but I would absolutely have a termination agreement in place. I would absolutely define, you know, the the terms of that. I would have it carefully vetted because at that point, if you're trying to figure out the terms of the settlement when you're getting divorced, you're screwed. Both of you guys are screwed. Oh, no, our attorneys are definitely, we just haven't finished it all yet, but we have all kinds of subscription agreements and, and employment agreements and everything else all being uh, worked on right now. Uh, we have partners in Canada, so we're, it's a little more complicated because we kind of need a, a U.S. version and a Canadian version. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But all those things, you know, all the legal uh, documentation, which, again, costs a lot more money than you think it oh, would. Oh, absolutely it does, uh, yeah. It's all, it's all being done. I mean, we're, you know, we're, you know, we're probably 50, 50, 60 grand in legal fees just to get all those documents uh, out. No, that's exactly right. You hope you never have to do it, but in, in case you do, it's nice to have. Because again, if you're trying to figure out the terms of the divorce while you're getting divorced, you're done. It's just, you, you'll be bled to death. Nothing will happen. The company will suffer. And and look, I'd be surprised if any investor worth his, his or her salt wouldn't demand that you guys have that in place. So let, let's, yeah. let's switch gears into uh, opportunities. BDS Analytics and ArcView Market Research, they project sales of $20 billion by 2024. Like That's a giant number, right? In the US alone. Uh-huh. Yeah. When, when I'm looking at your slide deck and I'm looking at, at your projections, um, do they? What, what do you think? Are you comfortable sharing what you think your pre-money valuation is at this point? Um, you know, that's a, g- a great question. I wasn't really prepared for it. Um, here, well, let me let me answer that a different way. Um, is yes, the uh, you know we talked about earlier earlier in the interview that it's kind of a wild west market right now, right? And so some of the some of the valuations that you're seeing, some of the estimates that you're seeing are quite frankly unbelievable. You know yeah. when you look at it. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I answer your question, Doug, kind of the other way. I don't want to talk about uh, I don't want to talk about pre money valuations yet. Okay. Again, we could talk about that in a couple of months for sure. sure. Yep. Um, but I think if. In in the market, the way it's the way it is growing, right? With again some of the regulation that we're hoping for to come in to kind of help organize the market, and the way we're building it, if we can just get our foothold in, um, we think we're going to have a great shot at really getting a nice, uh, you know, a nice piece of a, a very big growing market. Yeah. that's the way we're looking at this. That's why even though it's frustrating um, when we talk about kind of everything's more expensive and everything takes longer yeah. because uh, we're, we're doing it very specifically that way because we know that there's a, a really big hockey stick upside that's coming. So, um, you know, we're, we're, yeah, we're, so we're building, we're building our business to take advantage of, um, of those estimates that you're reading in the marketplace. I took a look through the deck, of course, uh, and I was pretty thorough going through it. I didn't notice anything really talking about extraction, um, you know, in the whole process. And of course, I think that's the whole part of hemp, right? When the extraction is what gives you the CBD oil. Um, 
Is that something that you guys have locked down? Is that something that you're going to be locking down? How's uh, how does that whole? Yeah, we're, no, we're, we're locked down there. There's a there's another company that uh, I've been a little bit involved with and have uh, invested in. It's, it's a company based out of California called Growpacker. Okay. Uh, they are a new. Uh, contract manufacturer for CBD and THC-based products. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're kind of our strategic partners in this whole thing. And they're very, very, very thorough and organized. So they've vetted out, uh, yeah, they've gone through I don't know how many growers, but they've found, they've already approved one, and it's only one so far, that they know there's no pesticides, that the, you know, everything's done organic, yeah. uh, that the product is tested and done right. So yes, we're we're very thorough on because again, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, right, right. So and that's the hard thing sure about that. where we are right now because there's no regulatory body, there's no uh, exactly. regulations of any sort. So you could be giving anybody anything, and somebody's got a machine that they've either patented. As a matter of fact, look, and on this show, we always love to help people and bring people together. Um, I know of somebody that actually built a machine. He's getting a patent, or he's gotten the patent on it. I don't know the details yet, but that is uh, that's all he's doing is extracting the CBD oil for growers. He doesn't want to get into harvesting. He doesn't want to deal with the crops that are being affected by weather and mice and disease and all that. Right. He just wants to do the extraction part of the process. Would that be helpful? He wants, he wants to sell the shovels and the he wants to sell the shovels and pickaxes and the gold rush. You basically. got it. Yeah. You got it. Absolutely. So, uh, would it be uh, advantageous sure, for you guys to, to talk with him? Yeah, I'll, I'll hook you yeah, guys look, up. Yeah, we, we want to make as many friends in the industry because, again, the industry is growing, right? So the ecosystem is growing. You know, there are growers, extractors, manufacturers, um, brands, e-commerce, physical distribution. I mean, there's a lot that's growing in this marketplace. And, look, we want to be friends with everybody. So yeah. we're really interested in, in having as many conversations, meeting as many people because, you know, we never know who we can help, who can help us, or we might be partners with someday. That's right. And with the landscape being as competitive as it is, you know, when investors are looking at putting their money somewhere, when they consider Wisdom Essentials, you know, you're, you're, you know, there's no revenue, of course, right now. You're still in the startup phase. But why would they put their money there with you guys as opposed to some of the you know competitors out in the space that are have got more solidified business models? They've got revenues in the tens of millions or even hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, why, why wisdom essentials? All right. So let me answer that. Let me break that down a little bit. So okay. there are not that many big brands, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few. There's a you know handful of big brands. Um, if you go back and do just a little bit of research, anybody who listens to this podcast does a little bit of research. Those folks have grown. There's a couple of good brands. They have great products, but they're also running into some operational problems right now, some spending problems. So put that kind of to the side. Yeah. The other is why specifically Wisdom Essentials. So there's a couple of reasons why. I think one is that we're just not white labeling. We are, we're really working hard on our formulations and our branding and our identity. So we're going to be a really strong um, product orientation. We're going to do the right science and we're going to do great marketing. So that's kind of, that, that's, that, that's a big answer to that question as well. The other thing we talked about a couple times already today is um, IP and bringing in IP that makes the product better than kind of whatever is kind of out in the shelf. And again, there's a lot of garbage out there today, and we're not going to be among that. So that's kind of thing two. And I would say that thing three is, and maybe this is giving away, uh, you know, you know, something here is the target market that Dennis mentioned earlier. Um, we are a company that is 100% focused on this third quarter audience. Yep. 
um, where we think that's where this product is really meant to be. It's meant to be for the folks who are kind of, I don't know what the right words are, but you know they're kind of they're in their next phase of pursuing passions and yeah. pursuing lifestyles yeah. that maybe they couldn't have done before with kids and jobs and and, and other things. The folks want to feel better. They want to uh, you know just have all of the tools at their disposal to live those types of lives. Yeah, that's the market that we're that we're talking to. It's a growing market. They're um, living better. They're healthier. They are. Fifties the new thirty. Fifties the new thirty. You know. Yeah. Frankly, wealthier. Um, And so, you know, with us focused on that market, while some of the other brands are focused on some of the millennials that Dennis mentioned before, we really think we've got, um, you know, um, the right. Uh, the right target in mind to take our products uh, to market. Yeah, most people our age, too, we're sick of taking opioids or even, I know a lot of people won't take, you know, my age won't take Advil anymore because it's yeah. like everybody's kind of getting yeah. off taking pills. Yep. And I think a lot of our age group is realizing, like, Big Pharma has not been our friend. No, and no not at all. we're going, right, so we're going at this with an approach of everything is, you know, is not from big, you know, nothing's from big pharma. We're coming, we're talking about something that comes from the earth uh, that's been around for thousands of years, and we're going to base our company on that. And, you know, I think for the, our age group, this is a, a kind of a, a blue ocean right now uh, for us to be jumping into. I would agree. I would agree completely. Yeah, I think you guys are on the right product, right time. Like I would say, right message, right set of ears at the right time. You got a sale, and uh, and I think you're there. So uh, my last question here: Imagine you stepped onto an elevator with Bill Gates. He's standing there right next to you. Can't believe it. The two of you are just like in complete shock. What's your pitch? Uh, that's a great question. I would say uh, Bill's probably in, in our in our target market. Oh yeah. Uh, I would say. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, how long is the elevator ride? Am I in the 105th floor or am I on the third floor? Uh, well, you're not in the third floor, but you're not in the 105th floor. So you don't know. You probably only have about 20 seconds to 30 seconds to pique his, his interest. Uh, what I would say, well, that, that's a great question. I should re- pro- probably prepare this, and I will after this. But I would, what I would say is, um, Bill, you've built a great company based on a great need, you know, uh, a couple years ago. We've got, uh, we've got a great company for 2019 going into 2020. We'd like to take you through it. We'll be at your office uh, next week. Uh, we'll bring lunch. What do you? Uh, what kind of sandwich do you like? Well, look, I'm going to shave a couple seconds off that pitch. Just stop by Dick's driving in Seattle. Grab a burger and fries. He's going to be super psyched. He saw that Instagram post. <laughs> More importantly, are you guys going to come back on the show and give us an update? Let us know how you're doing. Yes, sir. As soon as we have stuff, uh, as soon as we have something in hand, and we have a, a few dollars of sales, Doug, we'll we'll be back. Uh, look, man, I'm wishing you guys the best of luck. It's going to be a journey of a lifetime. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit envious. You know, I'm a little bit envious. I wouldn't mind going along. Well, do you want <laughs> Yeah, right. I got to get out that checkbook. If you're that envious, you can join us. No problem there, Doug. That's right. Hey, look, one last thing before I let you go. Will you guys stop by our Facebook page uh, from time to time? Maybe leave a, an update or a comment, maybe answer a question for a listener if they've got a question about what you're doing. Will you stop by? Love yeah, to. So absolutely. And if, if you have any listeners or 
or friends that are interested in talking to us, just uh, pass, pass on our information. Be happy to uh, have those discussions. It would be my pleasure, guys. Tom Lamb, Dennis Keene from Wisdom Essentials, thank you so much for coming on the third quarter gut check today. Uh, an amazing story. I'm really excited to see where you guys go with this. And uh, listeners, we hope you got something out of this as well. There's plenty of takeaways here. Uh, again, whether you're starting a uh, company like Wisdom Essentials or uh, any other sort of business, you know, there's a lot of great takeaways. We're going to link all that stuff up in the show notes. If you guys know of anyone in their 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s that you think would enjoy this show, please share it with them. Until next time, I'm Doug Taylor. And remember, you guys are battle-tested and life-approved. And you certainly don't need anyone's permission to begin living the lives you were born to live. Take care. The Third Quarter Gut Check is sponsored by Trench University. Battle-tested, life-approved. To be a guest on the show, call 215-315-3148. That's 215-315-3148. Or send us an email to thirdquartergutcheck at gmail.com. That's 3rdquartergutcheck at gmail.com. The Third Quarter Gut Check is a modified media production.